Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, good morning, Crossroads. Uh, Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration where we love celebrating Jesus, especially uh, when we can do so, uh, one, together, because that's, that's the best part, one of the best parts, uh, but also um, when we can do it in spirit and in truth. And I want to share a passage of scripture with you uh, before we start celebrating. Uh, in the Gospel of John, John tells us that God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And you're going to see that theme carried out our message today. So as the band comes up, I'm going to ask you guys to stand. uh, And we're going to pray that God's Holy Spirit would lead us in worshiping him in spirit and lead us in understanding the revelation of God's truth to us this morning. So uh, God, we pray that uh, as we prepare to worship you and song as we prepare to worship you uh, through the word. We pray that your spirit would guide us this morning. Uh, We pray that every song we sing would lift you up and exalt your name. We pray that as we open your word that you would be exalted. We pray that your truth would be revealed. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. 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 Uh, Before we continue, um, as you're getting situated, go ahead and grab your Bible Open it up uh, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Excuse me, we're going to read through uh, just a couple of verses this morning. But while you're turning there, I'm going to put some verses from Ephesians, chapter 6, up on the screen uh, so we can read through this together. And I'm going to ask you guys to read this out loud with me. And I know that might make some people uncomfortable. Uh, And if it does, here's a tip. Pretend it doesn't and then you'll be okay. Or or just pretend like you're jamming in your car, because I see some of you at the stoplights and you're you're like going crazy. But just be, be, be just, and all the cameras are pointed this way, so nothing's on you. So just read this out loud with me. It's from, excuse me, Ephesians chapter six. Everyone ready? Okay, ready. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And everyone made it through. Okay, so here's the thing. This is, this is really important because this is going to drive a lot of our conversation this morning. So Paul is writing again to the church in Ephesus. And he says, hey, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because here's the thing that we have to understand. Uh, He used this word power, power, power throughout the book of Ephesians. The power that he's talking about does not come from us. Our strength comes from standing in God's power. And the power that he's talking about is the power of the Holy Spirit that God puts into all of his believers, all of the people who step across the line of faith and say, I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the other thing. He says, Put on the full armor of God, and we're going to talk about that. But here's why you need to armor up. He says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
Now, that word schemes, some versions say strategies, some versions say methods. It's actually a Greek word, methodia, from where we get our English word methods, and it means deceitful methods and tricks. It's not just any particular method. It's like the methods that scammers use, people trying to, uh, con artists use, people trying to get money out of you use. It's saying that, hey, the devil has strategies and deceitful methods that he uses, and as we've said before, um, the enemy uses deceitful methods, but they're tailored specifically to each one of us to come against us. He's not going to use the same method or strategy or level of deceit to get to me that he's going to use to get to you, right? So for some people, he'll come at you, but he's not going to attack your relationship with God. He's going to attack your kids. He's going to try to get to you through your kids. And the moment you see stuff going on with your kids, that's when you stop spending time with God, you stop reading, you stop coming around the people who will help pray for and encourage you and help you get through whatever your kids are going through. But we don't know that because for some people, when he comes for our kids, that's it. That's all we're focused on. Other people, he's not going to mess with your kids because your kids are too strong for that. But he's going to come for your marriage. So he'll just start chipping away at little things in your marriage that will make you more and more and more and more annoyed until you're so fed up with your marriage that your marriage crumbles. For other people, he's going to come for your job, right? Because a lot of us, and happened to me, I was so focused on my job, God was secondary, so took it all away. For other people, it's not your job. It may be specifically your finances. You may still have your job, but your finances. But for some people, and it's sad, he's going to come for your trauma. That thing that, that, that you took years or months or whatever it is getting over, and you're like, now I'm through this, and he's going to bring it back, and he's just going to chip away at it or just kind of dig into it until it breaks you. And for some people, he's going to use all of the above because his goal, his goal is to break us down. And for some people, he's, going to, he's not going to come for any of that. He's just going to come to you and say, you know what? You don't really need to go to that church anymore. He's going to pull you away from the congregation. For some people, and we see it happen, we know people it happens to, he's going to turn you against the congregation. Not that they've done anything wrong, not that they've changed. Same people that prayed for you, that you had lunches with, that you, you know, put up decorations with, that you cleaned with, that you prayed with, and now all of a sudden he's just going to tell you, you don't need them anymore. And he's going to pull you away from them. And, and, and here's the thing, he's going to do that, which is why, which is why every single Christian on the planet needs to hear what, the verses that we're about to read. Every single Christian, because Paul, through God, is about to tell us, here's how you stand strong when the enemy comes for your marriage, your kids, your family, your job, your relationship with other people, your relationship with God, your relationship with your congregation. He's going to say, here's how you stand against that. Now, we can't, we can't be misled, right? That doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to come. Because he definitely is. But what Paul is about to tell us, and this is why every Christian on the planet needs to read these verses and hear this, is that when he does come, we'll be able to stand against it. 
You may come out a little bit battered and bruised, but the key is you're going to come out of it, right? That's the most important thing because um, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is the very definition of spiritual warfare. And there are a bunch of people in churches who the enemy didn't come for any of that stuff for them. He just said, spiritual warfare doesn't exist. Nobody's coming for you. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> Even though the Bible specifically says it does. Because here's the reality. We are spiritual beings who serve a spiritual God. God is spirit, like we said earlier, right? So God equips us with spiritual weapons to stand against a spiritual enemy. That is spiritual warfare. And I'm going to say that again because there are people who need to hear this. We're spiritual beings. When we step across the line of faith, God puts his Holy Spirit in us, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's now in us if you stepped across that line of faith. So we're spiritual beings. We serve a God who is a spirit. That's how he put his spirit in us. So that same spiritual God equips his spiritual people with spiritual weapons because we fight against a spiritual enemy and we're not supposed to lose that fight. We may come out battered, we may come out bruised, but we are supposed to come out. He equips us to stand against the enemy, right? So if you have a Bible, open it up to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, if you don't, there's one under your chair, on the table, left, right, somewhere around you. And if not, just raise your hand. And uh, we'll have someone bring one to you because I want you to see I'm not making this up. This is what the Word of God says. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we already read it, but we're going to read it again. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Now, I want to stop there real quick because he says put on the full armor of God. He's going to say that over and over. Because some people take half measures and only put on part of the armor, and then wonder why, hey, how come I wasn't able to stand against that spiritual attack? How come, um, um, instead of being able to stand, how come everything got broken down? And God doesn't say, hey, put on part of the armor. He doesn't say, just put on, no one goes out with just one shoe, right, without the other shoe. We put on the full armor. Let me, let me, let me tell you this, uh, when I was in the military, um, I was the, I don't know what they call it now, I think it's chemical, biological, radiation officer. Back then it was NBC, nuclear, biological, and chemical. So I was the NBC officer uh, when I was stationed in Panama. So my responsibility, even though we weren't in an environment where we were fighting against people and had to worry about it, but my responsibility was to make sure I maintained the equipment so that if we did need it, it was ready to use. My other responsibility was to make sure that all of the troops in our company knew how to use it. So we would have what we would call, and I did this in basic training too, so it wasn't anything new, but once you get out and you're on the job, we only did it every year, right? You kind of forget, especially if you're in an environment where you're not going into uh, armed conflicts, you kind of forget, right? So we were telecommunications, not ideal to go into armed conflict, but I still had to make sure everyone was aware. So we had gloves that you wore, we had a top, we had a bottom, and we had a helmet. Some people, for some reason, thought, I only need the gas mask. That's all I need, I don't need that. So what I would do is we had a facility that was about maybe half the size of this stage. So I would have like eight to 10 people come in, 
They'd have their gas masks on. Some of them would have their gloves in their hand. Some of them, you know, wouldn't have the full uniform. And it didn't take long because you couldn't see the smoke. We used tear gas because we weren't trying to kill anybody. We didn't want to go to jail. Uh, but you, you couldn't see it, but it wouldn't take long. Those who came in without the gloves, their hands would start burning. And they would realize, I need the full armor. I can't just go half. So I would send them out, right, so they could go wash their hands, because they would try to put the gloves on, but then they'd get it all over the gloves, and then everything in that defeats the purpose. So I'd just send them out. And then the rest, I would have them do some push-ups, like four or five push-ups, do four or five jumping jacks. And I'm like, okay, we're good. And then I would have them take a deep breath and open their mask. And you could, they're holding their breath, but you could see as people start, you know, twitching and jerking because it's burning their skin. And then um, I would not let them out until they took a breath of the tear gas. And then I would send them out puking and gagging all over the outside. We had a special area for those that did that because a lot of people ended up doing that. But the whole idea was to make sure they understood, hey, you can't do half measures. You need the full, you need the mask, you need the gloves, you need the suit, you need everything. It needs to be secured properly. And this, this is what, what, what Paul is saying. He says, hey, he's going to say it over and over, put on the full armor. The partial armor will only partially protect you. You need the full armor of God. So he says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And a lot of us, we forget that. Our struggle is not against other denominations. Our struggle is not against other people who have different political perspectives. Our struggle is not against Joel Osteen. Our struggle is not against people who we think don't preach the full gospel. Our struggle is not against the King James Version only, folks. But that's what a lot of people think. And they'll spend time fighting them. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That word struggle is a word that means like to wrestle. So the struggle that we have, it's personal. It's not one we can do from a distance. It's personal. But our struggle is not against one another. In the military, we call that friendly fire, where we inadvertently take out people who are friends that are supposed to be helping us in the struggle, and now we've decreased the number of resources that we have to stand against the enemy. And that's what we see the church doing today. We'll end up uh, fighting against uh, uh, one another instead of fighting against the spiritual forces that we're supposed to fight against that are coming against us, right? So he says, um, our struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, because it's a spiritual battle, he says, put on the full armor of God so that when, and this is key, the day of evil comes. That day of evil, evil means when your struggle comes. Because some of us, hey, we haven't been through anything in a while. Everything's going good. Job's going good. Family's going good. People ask me all the time, so what's new with you, Floyd? And I say, thank God, absolutely nothing. I thank God that there's nothing new that I need prayer for, but also, you know, I thank God that I have nothing new that I'm rejoicing over, because then that puts me on the enemy's highlight. He's like, he's rejoicing too much. Go, someone go take him out. So I thank God when things are just going just the same. 
Nothing new, nothing bad. I definitely thank him when there are things to celebrate, but even when there is absolutely nothing new in my life, I thank Jesus for that. Because a day of evil, a struggle, is going to come for every one of us. He says, so when your day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Now, this is the thing. God's expectation is that if we, he's given us these resources, his expectation is when we put on this full armor, that we're going to be able to stand when the enemy comes against us. And again, here's the problem. Most of us aren't standing because we're not putting on the full armor. So it's like, okay, God, I know you know everything, but I don't need all the resources that you're giving to me. Some of us, we're not standing because we're fighting the wrong enemy. Instead of the spiritual battle, we're fighting against people that don't think like us or look like us or all of that stuff. Right? So he says, uh, do everything to stand. And then he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. God's truth is the thing that holds us up. I know there are people that will tell you, and I, I had this conversation um, Thursday night. I do a, a live Q&A. I stopped doing it during the summer and stopped for a while. And then uh, someone was like, hey, when are you going to start this back up? So I started it up Thursday night. Uh, great Q&A with people online. Uh, the first 15, 20 minutes was about comic books because that's what's behind me. So people were asking pictures about comic books. Then we jump into the God conversation. It's going great. But here's the thing. People started jumping on and saying, hey, there's no way I can believe the Bible is true. And I'm like, okay, why can't you believe the Bible is true? One guy said, uh, because it's an ancient book. And so my question was, so are you saying any book from history is not true? And he refused to answer. So another guy gets on and he says, hey, uh, well, there's no way I can believe that your God exists. And I'm like, okay, why don't you believe God exists? And he's like, because there's no way I can believe that there was this worldwide flood that the Bible says. I'm like, okay, why can't you believe there's a worldwide flood? And he says, because there's no way that one family can populate the whole earth. And I didn't want to correct him and tell him it was three. It wasn't Noah. It was his three sons that did it. But I said, okay. You're not asking me any questions. You're just telling me what you believe. And I said, do you believe that what you are saying is true? And he said, absolutely. I'm like, great. So since you're saying it's impossible, right, for one family to populate the earth, you're stating that as a truth. Tell me how the earth was populated. And he couldn't. And he didn't. And then he got mad at me. <laughs> For not answering his question, I'm like, you haven't asked a single question. You just stated all these claims that you believe to be true. All I'm asking you to do, back up what you believe to be true. And then someone else did ask me a question. They were like, how do you know that the God of the Bible is true? And I was like, here's the thing. First, you have to, you have to look and you have to determine whether or not you believe truth exists. And if it does exist, is it knowable? Can we know the truth about certain things? And I always use math because it's so simple. One plus one equals two. One plus one has always equal two. We didn't create one plus one and make it equal two. It's, it's, it's built into the fabric of the universe. If you go to Mars, one plus one equals two. If you go back in time, before Adam and Eve, one plus one equals two. If you go into the future, one plus one equals two. If you go to a foreign country, one plus, it's just a truth. We didn't 
make it, we discovered it, and it's true. And I said, it would not make sense for me to look at this truth and say, well, that conflicts with what I believe, so I'm not going to accept it. So I had to ask myself, am I willing to accept truth? And if I am, am I willing to accept it when it conflicts with what I believe? And if I am, then I, have, I had, and I said for me, I had to look at the historical and biblical evidence that aligns so much that it would be impossible for me to say this isn't true. And I said, that's what worked for me. You have to be willing to accept truth for you. And here's the problem. A lot of people are not willing to accept truth if it conflicts with what they believe. And that's the problem that we're dealing with. So he says, uh, the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Here's what we need to understand. The gospel is the foundation upon which we, we're, we're, we're standing, right? Our feet are fitted with the readiness. I know it's a weird phrase, but excuse me, Jesus puts it another way. In the book of Matthew, this is what Jesus says. This is after he's <clears throat> talking to uh, this crowd of people, what we commonly call the Sermon on the Mount. He says, so everyone who hears these words of mine, and his words are true, and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, wise man who built his house upon the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had been founded upon the rock. The gospel the truth of God's word, that's what our foundation is. And here's the thing. Um, um, if you look at this, he says, hey, the people who built their house upon that gospel salvation, when the storms came, their house was still standing. It was able to stand against the storm. But he also said this, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does, that, does not do them will be like a stupid, foolish man who built his house upon the sand. This is not me calling anyone stupid or foolish. This is Jesus saying, if you ignore this truth, you're the stupid one. He says, and the rain fell, floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great and complete was the fall of it. I like the fact that he reiterates, it didn't just fall, it fell completely. It wasn't like, oh, there's a wall that caved in. We're going to have to rebuild that. We're going to have to replace the window and a portion of the roof. It was like, it's done. It came down completely. All right? Verse 16, he says this. In addition, so this is, again, reiterating. Don't just do one. Don't just do the other. Don't just do the belt of truth uh, and your feet fitted with a readiness from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, the, the, the geeky part of me really wanted to bring in like a toy bow and arrow. The smart part of me, which came from God, said, don't do that. Because I could just see me accidentally letting go and it hitting somebody, especially the part of me that said, well, if I light it on fire, but no. But here, here, here's what he's saying. Back then, they didn't just shoot arrows, right? I mean, we, we're, we're in a you know, gun, machine gun, all that. They would take the arrows and they would light them on fire. So when it hit you, even if it didn't hit a severe, like in your heart or whatever, not only are you pierced, but you're burning. When they shot it at, with one arrow, they could set a whole village on fire, right? 
But here's what he says. Hey, the shield of faith can stop all those fiery darts. What we talked about earlier, that enemy just chipping away at you. The shield of faith can do that because our faith should be so strong that we're able to stand against it. And I'll, I'll use this as an example. Oh, I was hoping she wouldn't be here yet. But um, there's no one right, that can convince me that, like, my wife doesn't love me, right? I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know she's not crazy about the shirts I wear. We all know she's not crazy about how much I spend on them. But there's no one that can convince me that she doesn't love me. And the same should be true of God. When the enemy comes to try to tell you God doesn't love you, our faith, and it doesn't even have to, we don't even have to know the Bible, we just have to know, but he sent his son to die for me. Not because I was good, whilst I was a messed up, just a mess, he still loved me. That should never be a question. And it won't be if we, again, take up the shield of faith. Uh, and then he says this, the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I was going to bring a sword too, but, you know, thank you, Jesus. And pray in the spirit on all occasions. This is key. He says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and request. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Um, all the other stuff was defensive, but now he talks about some of the offensive stuff, the stuff that we can use to go on the offense that's going to help us take a stand. So he says, the offensive weapons that we have are the word of God and prayer, right? The word of God, strongest, most vital, offensive, defensive, shield-bearing. I mean, this, this is like the, the, the infinity gauntlet times 10. And some of you don't know what that is. Google it when you get home. Um, but this is like the super strong thing that God gives us. When he came at Jesus, Jesus rebuked him with the word of God. Now, uh, I'm about to go on a long tirade about... Um, some of the stuff we do. So uh, here's the thing. This is why 99% of the stuff that we do here is based around teaching people the word of God. We don't have a lot of ministries that do fun stuff and, and fundraisers and, uh, and, and all this kind of stuff. It's all built around the word of God. So uh, let me share. The Naps or Nothing Moms podcast, they don't beat people over the head with the Bible, but it is Christian moms saying, here's how we do momming. Sometimes they're saying, we have no idea what we're doing. Sometimes they make me go into a, a laughing fit, which happened the other night. But they have a new episode airing on Monday. But it's Christian mom saying, here's the reality. This is, this, is, this is what we're going through. This is what's happened. Here's how we try to handle it. Um, the podcast that um, Mark and I do uh, called Faith Responders. And some of you guys, Mark has preached here, uh, Mark Berkshire, um, we just say, hey, hey, from a biblical uh, standpoint, here's how we can respond to stuff going on in the culture. So we did, here's the response to, to the war in Israel. Here's the response to spiritual warfare. Here's the response. Uh, we just did a new episode that talks about, uh, here's the response to the lack of focus that the body of Christ has on what is supposed to be its primary role, sharing the gospel. We're so busy doing all this other stuff, we've missed our primary focus. 
so every time, I wouldn't say every time, we try to do it every two weeks, there's something that happens in the culture. Uh, we get together and we say, hey, here's, here's what the word of God says and how the people of God can respond to that in a God-honoring way, right? Uh, and then there's the Recovery Coffee in Jesus podcast that Adam and Heather do, and uh, they've only done four, five, four, four episodes, right? And uh, the last one, uh, I just looked yesterday, um, on our website, it tells us, here's uh, the top five uh, media that was downloaded for today, for this week, or last seven days, or for the last 30 days. And consistently, uh, their podcast has been the number one most listened to content on our website for the last 30 days. I looked last month, I looked this month, and over and over, and I shared with them, and I'll share with you, I'm not even upset that more people are listening to them than me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, because they're, they're helping people. They're talking about, here's how we overcome trials and struggles, but they're saying, here's how we do it from the Word of God, right? Uh, and then we have Bible studies, and Bobby asked me to share this. The women's ministry, they have a Bible study uh, Thursday, November 9th. They're going to be starting a new study, and it's looking at First and Second Timothy. And usually they're walking through Bible-related stuff. They're not walking through, here's a book on how we can cook better. Here's a book on how we can do this better. They're walking through books of the Bible saying, how does this apply to my life? Now, they do it online via Zoom. And if you contact Bobby and if you need her information, I can give it to you. Uh, she can give you the Zoom information so that you can join. Because there's people that don't even go to this church to join. Um, and people that used to. Everybody remember Patty? Yeah, she, she attends some time. Um, I think some other people attend. Uh, but the whole focus is, hey, from a women's standpoint, which I cannot speak to, here's how we can apply the Word of God to our life. And then we do have uh, a regular online Bible study we do on Wednesday nights, 7.30, 7 p.m. We're walking through the book of Hebrews. We don't do any topical stuff. We don't do, here's how I can live a better life. Here's better at my job. We walk through books of the Bible. Here's what the Word of God says. And um, here's how I can apply it to my life. And then, uh, in addition to their podcast, Adam and Heather do uh, a life recovery a small group. That's in person. It's here where people can come in, sit around, uh, have a cup of coffee, and talk about here's the way God can help you overcome what you're going through. And, and they were just telling me this morning that because uh, when we started, we bought a bunch of uh, specific Bibles, life recovery Bibles and workbooks, and they're running out, which is a good thing. So now we've got to order more Bibles and more uh, workbooks uh, for their group. And this is also why next week uh, we're just going to have a, a Q&A about questions about, you know, anything in the book of Ephesians or salvation or sanctification. And here's the thing. If you guys don't have questions, that's okay because that means I probably did a good job covering this stuff to where you understand it. But there are some people who submitted some questions, and so we're going to walk through questions about salvation and sanctification. Everything that we do is geared around equipping you, training you to use the most powerful weapon that God has given us, the Word of God, right? So uh, jump back into uh, verse 19, and he says this. So he says... Um, 
I'm going to back up a little bit. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions in verse 18 and with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. But then he says, pray also for me. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. He's in chains. He's literally in prison, which is why we call this series the prison epistles. He says, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And I've told you guys before, pray that for me. Because I have a little bit of fear. I'm an introvert. I don't like talking to people. It's on my prayer list to be uh, more evangelical in, in being able to share. But um, this is why we do Wednesday night prayer. It's one of the most powerful tools that God gives us to be able to join with the people of God and speak to the people of God. Uh, we used to do it years ago in person. It dwindled down. We stopped it. COVID came. We brought it back up. And now we just do it online so that anyone who wants to can join it. Even if people, people, and I, uh, even if people like, hey, I didn't, and that, this has happened. I didn't see it Wednesday night. I had to work. I had this or that. So. Thursday, Friday, or Saturday afternoon when they do see it, people are like, pray for this, pray for that, pray for this. They're commenting, here's where I need prayer. And we can still pray with them and respond to them after the fact, which is why we do it online. So it's, it's extremely important that we understand the tools and the weapons that God gives us. Yeah, he gives us ones to take a stand but he also gives us ones to go on the offense, which is the word of God and prayer. And yes, I'm, 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 I'm that pastor that people hate that's always telling people, read your Bible. And people say, well, I don't understand this, or I don't understand that, or, or I don't know what, what this means, or whatever. And that's why I'm like, go to Bible study. Ask somebody. Ask a pastor. Ask one of your Christian friends. Don't just say, I don't know, so I'm not going to read it. This is the most powerful resource on the planet. Say, I want to know, so I'm going to ask everybody I can. I'm going to do everything I can to find out what God is saying to me. But now, since we said that prayer is um, one of the most uh, powerful resources, if you look throughout the Bible, there's, there's, if you go Google this, uh, just look up verses on prayer. And some will say, here's 80 verses, here's 120 verses, here's 250 verses, hundreds of verses on prayer. If you condense everything the Bible says about prayer into one thing, it says this, pray all the time, in every way, about everything because God hears you. If it is his will, he will give it to you. If it is not, keep praying. I mean, that is the gist of everything it says. Uh, pray all the time. Paul, Paul says, pray all the time. All the time, pray without ceasing. When you're happy, pray. When you're sad, pray. When you're trying to stand against the enemy, pray. When you're at a place where the enemy is not coming against you, pray. He says pray all the time in every way. That means the people that like to pray with their hands lifted, the people that pray in tongues, the people that pray quietly on their drive to work, the people that have, the, and we know some of those, those, those crying, messy, snotty, whatever prayers because you're going through so much Pray those because God hears you. And the Bible says it crystal clear. If it is God will, Jesus, if it's God's will, Jesus says, God's going to give it to us. So, so, so ask for it. 
But it also says, Jesus gives an example, he says, if it's not his will, keep praying. Because God's answer, whenever we pray, when we ask him for something, it's only going to be one of three things. It's going to be, yes, here you go. It may take a little bit of time to get it, but yes, here you go. Or it may be, you're not ready for that yet. You want this job, you want this relationship, you want whatever, but you're, you're not ready for that yet. I still have some work to do in you. Or it may be, hey, you want this, but I have something so much better for you. So you're not going to get that because I want you to have this thing that is so much better for you. So even when you don't get the response you want because you think it's not in God's will, keep praying. And so this is what we're going to do right now. We're going to spend some time in prayer. Um, I'm going to ask you guys, you don't have to stand, but I am going to ask... Um, Andrew, since he's in the front, to be the microphone man, and since Jax is not here. Um, if you have something that you want us to pray about or to pray for, um, this is the time for us to do it. So I'm going to hand the uh, microphone to Andrew and just raise your hand, and he's going to come around. Okay, immediately, yeah. Uh, we prayed for a young baby that was born, and he, was, he had... Um, he, I, I'm not sure what he had. I didn't, don't even think Children's Hospital knew. But they've been working with him. He's about two and a half now, and he does nothing. He uh, moves very little. But his grandma asked us to pray for him, and his great-grandma watches us live. His name is Aries. That's why his name is Aries. So, God, we lift up Aries to you. We pray that your hand would be upon him. We ask that you would also give peace to his family to his grandmother, his great-grandmother, to his parents, Lord. But we pray for your healing power. We pray for your wisdom and insight for all of the medical staff. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? To your left. Um, um, I'm asking for prayer for both of our moms. Um, Adam's mom, Terry, my mom, Marla, she has rheumatoid arthritis. And I'm also asking for prayers for Adam's MS that the struggle is lessened for him. And I have a special announcement. Tomorrow, by the grace of God, I will be celebrating 24 years of sobriety. So, Amen. Um, I pray, thank you. It's all for God. I pray for the upcoming years that I can keep doing what I'm doing. So let's do this before we move on. Let's pray for both of your moms and, and thank God for your sobriety. Well, let's, let's do this first and then we'll come back to you. All right, so God, we, we thank you first and foremost for Heather, for her sobriety. We pray that we would also be able to encourage her, strengthen her. We thank you that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you are using her to share her story and her truth with other people in her circles of influence. Uh, we pray that you would uh, just be with um, Adam's mom and Heather's mom. We pray for healing by your hand, that you would give them relief from their pain, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would like to ask for prayers for the addicts that are suffering, that mm. have not found the rooms, uh, haven't found their their purpose, haven't found God. Thank you. God, we lift up all of those people who are struggling. 
the ones that know you as Lord and Savior, and even the ones who don't, uh, we pray that the ones that know you, that again, that they would be able to stand strong when the enemy comes at them. We pray for the ones who don't, that you would bring them into places and into contact with people who will be able to encourage them and help them and lift them up. And God, we continue to pray for Adam and Heather. Uh, we pray for uh, his MS. Uh, we pray for the ministry that you're using through them to help people overcome their addictions and their struggles. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Everyone said, amen. 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 Anyone else? Yep. So uh, pray for my family. Um, so about a week ago, one of my cousins, I didn't know her too well. She was 51, but I knew her son. She passed away from uh, cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, they apparently, I don't know the exact details, but her heart was severely enlarged. She wasn't doing too well. She called um, 911, but before the ambulance came, um, she was gone by then. So um, like I said, uh, so... Yeah, I know her too well, but I, I know the family's struggling because she was pretty well-known and respected, so I just prayers for the family. So, God, we lift up these family to you. Uh, we know how hard it is to lose a loved one. Uh, we pray that you would be with them while they grieve. We pray that you would give them your peace, the peace that transcends all understanding, the peace that would allow them to make it through this time of grieving. Uh, we pray for all of those families in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I'd ask for prayer for Kevin's mom and my mom um, and that uh, the decisions that have to be made are the right decisions for them and our families. They're tough decisions. Okay, God, we lift up um, Kevin's mom and Bonnie's mom to you. Uh, We pray for your Holy Spirit to guide them and give them the wisdom to make decisions that both honor you but also respect their families. Uh, We pray for healing. We pray for, again, just a relief from any pain and misery. Uh, Where doctors are involved, we pray that your wisdom would override and guide everything that they do with respect to both of their moms, with respect to their care. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Up front. Mr. Joseph. I want to give thanks for a holy God who cares about us every day. When you think of how big the Milky Way galaxy is and outer space is, which is infinite, you have a being up there that cares about us that are one millionth the size of an ant. Just keep that in mind that God does love us. Amen, God, we're thankful for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. That, as Joe said, that in the like, vastness of all space, among the billions and billions of stars, that you look at each one of us and love us unconditionally, for which we are eternally grateful and thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I have one thing before, if anyone else... Uh, I, I want to... Um pray that the Lord look over this country and the uh, White House and the events that's going on around this world. That's it. Okay. Um, so in addition to that, I'm going to add to that prayer for 
just the community uh, in Maine where that mass shooting, or communities in Maine where that uh, latest mass shooting took place, and just uh, for the first responders, the medical staff, the counselors that are trying to deal with that, God, we lift up all of those people to you. We pray that your hand would be with them. We pray that you would help that community make sense out of something that is so tragic and makes absolutely no sense. We pray that you are with the families that lost loved ones, and we pray that you use the families who didn't to encourage those who did. We pray that you would uh, just use the houses of worship, your church, your people, to come around and support and encourage all of those families. We pray for our nation. We pray for our, our, our political leaders, ones we voted for and ones we didn't because they all need Jesus. We pray that you would guide the direction of our nation and that you would allow your people to speak up and share your truth. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen.